Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Chris Bale. He is a healer. He is an expert in all things sex. We talk about all things sex and how we're going about it wrong right now and what it means to have good, beautiful sex and how to take care of ourselves as men and women. Please like and subscribe or leave a review. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Chris, welcome on the show. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start with some of your perceptions around what are the biggest societal wounds we're seeing right now in our culture. Hmm. Do you want me to choose what that is? Or do you have your own kind of feeling around the specific... Go for whatever you think is happening, yeah. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's a heavy question. That's a deep question to begin with. I love it because usually I'm asked to talk about my, my journey. So let's <laughs> get into it. I mean, the, the wounding, I can only really speak from my direct contact with people in the work <laughs> that I do and the length of time I've been doing it. But one of the main things that I've seen is how distracted we have become, which then has us, in a very practical sense, leave ourselves in terms of presence, right? In terms of actually having a a root, having a groundedness in our own life and connection, a felt sense of our own existence. When we leave that, we kind of leave our intelligence and now we're up for grabs. And we're up for grabs to whatever and whoever is speaking to us, whoever weakens us or convinces us that we're not enough. That's a huge aspect of it. When you believe you're not enough, now you have to buy into all of the bullshit that all these different industries are attempting to profit off. And yeah, we- I one of the biggest wounds is the lack of intimacy that we have yeah. access to. Yeah, one thing you said there was you hinted towards some kind of bodily intelligence, that by being away from distraction and being rooted in your body, you're, you, have, you have access to some deep wisdom. Can you expand on that? Why, why do we actually gain wisdom by being present in our bodies? Hmm. Well, the way that I see it is when we go to sleep at night, we don't die. Hmm. right we we drop out we disappear for a moment and our heart is kept beating and our breath continues to happen and our blood continues to be pumped and all these internal processes that needs to happen in order to heal to restore to nourish to rest to charge back up all of that is handled for us Hmm. we have no conscious contact for the most part of how that even happens we have guesses and assumptions scientifically around a lot of these processes. But ultimately, it's all handled for us. Based on that, my work over the last decade has really been focused on bringing and guiding and supporting people to come back into the body because there is a depth of what I say is untapped wisdom in our somatic experience Mm -hmm. that the headiness that we're sold in this life Yep. keeps us separate from so the the wisdom of the body i mean the body has been here for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years it, it's went through deep 
uh, evolution to the point where it knows how to do what it's here to do. We just have a heady habit of really getting in the way of that, thinking we're the thing that knows it all, that we have to lead the life rather than actually listening to the body mm-hmm. and having time every day to spend time with the part of us that is the wisest. Uh, the brain and the mind is relatively new. The body has yeah. been here a lot longer. So it's spending time viscerally with that system so we can actually allow this information to be more pulled into consciousness. Yeah. With yeah. the heady energy itself, because I've noticed more pertains a little more to men. So as a, as a journey as a man and how men are rewarded for being so intellectually sharp and, and analyzing, controlling things all the time, what was your journey like in going home to the body versus the head? How did you do that? Different different ways. Uh, practically, Qigong was a big thing for me. Meditation, I uh, quite early on in my life, became very attracted to the Eastern health mm-hmm. and healing. Modalities. I trained in traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, uh, these different practices and essentially massive bodies of theoretical understanding in terms of how we're energetically and physically put together um, elementally. So that has really deeply informed the work that I do today and how I went through my own process of, of healing and understanding things. Yeah. in a way that would be not such common knowledge right now. How did that all go about coming, coming from Ireland? Give me a bit of a, a tour of how, you know, a kid from Ireland turned mm-hmm. out to be this this wise, embodied man. How did that come about? What was the, the main <laughs> change? What caused the, the shift? Well, the shift was that I was so fucking sensitive and okay. I had no guidance system uh, how to be incredibly sensitive, empathetic, and perceptive without being overwhelmed, terrified, feeling weak, feeling disempowered. Um, and I, you know, I started drinking probably around the age of 12, which I guess wow. is not uncommon in Ireland, but yeah. but still, that's a stretch. Um, smoking weed at probably around 14, and it was cocaine. And like, I, I was... A functioning addict, uh, alcoholic, uh, different drugs. I DJ for quite a few years as well, which served that lifestyle of debauchery, yeah. hedonism, and complete unconsciousness in certain capacities. I always say that I never choose to stop that. If I had an option, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have stopped. Uh, I would have kept going. But my body and whatever divine intervention life had for me i guess it came in and it stopped me yeah uh, where i couldn't continue it was impossible i would have died uh, absolutely Mm -hmm. so that essentially is what forced me because i've always naturally been quite stubborn um i I, forcing has been supportive in certain places and that's what started it and that inability to live life the way that i used to and also the inability to have any practical information on how to exist here as a sensitive, attuned, uh, empathic type of individual without using substances, without using medication. Um, you know, many people are just put on antidepressants to numb them out. They're put on all different types of 
medicines rather than actually getting to the root of like, okay, what's actually going on here? What are you actually experiencing and, and why? So I had to go through that process. And as I said, Qigong and energy work and different types of exploring in an area where I was already very naturally attuned to, mm -hmm. that allowed me to see myself and experience myself as, oh, my sensitivity is powerful. Yeah. Not weak. So yeah. now how do I balance that? How do I integrate that as a man in the world? How do I balance sensitivity with resilience, right? How do I feel my feels and process and heal from trauma while also being strong and upright and physically active and engaging in the things that actually scare me? Yeah. Uh, a huge part of that for me was my relationship with women, my relationship with the feminine as an energy, as an experience, and to answer your initial question, the experience of coming back into the body and moving out of the headiness for me was coming back into contact first and foremost with the feminine in me, mm -hmm. with, the, with the prompt to start feeling again, rather than avoiding it. Because when we avoid it, we go to the head and then we just want to control everything yeah. rather than having feel through stuff yeah i want to focus a little bit on the on the inner feminine now because my, my journey as, as a man was it was unconscious i was a serial womanizer and i needed it at that time because i had no idea how to how to access my inner feminine i was super heady i was super controlling in many ways and the only way i can gain intimacy was through a female was through sex was through engaging them that way and it was it was addictive it was purely unconscious i had no idea how to give it to myself and then, you know, years later, thankfully, I realized that, you know, it's it was just a, a projection of mirror and I could actually get it in myself. So how how was that journey for you? How did you start discovering the feminine internally inside you? And how can you tap into it so you can nourish yourself versus needing it from the outside world? Mm. Through embodiment work, mm. through moving away from the chasing and from the pushing. And from the striving, which is essentially all that this society talks to us about, right? Yeah. To be value, to be a success, you need to work hard, you need to push, you need to strive, you need to chase, you need to make shit happen. Uh, that's okay if it's balanced and integrated and actually coming from the health of your internal feminine. Uh, but for me, that was not the case. Uh, so I stopped. I stopped doing many things. I started to create a lot of space in my day, space to just sit with myself, space to just feel myself. Um, I probably spent thousands of hours just laying there with my hands on my body, breathing, in order to try to feel how to even touch myself, like what's actually going on. Why is my body closed? Why is my somatic system so tight that it's terrified of feeling anything? And I realized because it was never held, it never felt safe. I never felt safe. My body never felt safe. So I began the very obsessive, saturated process for me of spending deep quality time with myself in a way that I didn't read in a book or that I didn't even learn in any of my studies, just intuitively. I would just lay there and I would put my hands on myself and I would start to really sensitively, gently, and presently explore this thing that I'm in, 
yeah. that I really was completely disconnected from and that I abused. Yeah. And that that changed my entire experience because then the felt sense came online again. Mm-hmm. And then it process that allowed me to feel, that allowed me to sob, that allowed me to cry, that allowed me to scream, that allowed me to be angry and feel all the anger towards our society for treating men so poorly, which then has us go off and treat women so poorly. And then it's a loop system. And then we raise children poorly, right? Because we have that lack of intimacy that I initially spoke of. People don't know how to hold themselves. So how the f- are you supposed to hold another person? For sure. Child. Yeah. So my how has been absolute simplicity because what I realized is all the teachings, all the techniques, as valuable as they are, are complicated. Yeah. Mind loves complication because our mind wants to be distracted. It wants to have things to do, things that it thinks it can understand and know. When in fact, what I've experienced is the deepest work, the deepest healing comes from the depths of simplicity. We are incredibly simple as individuals and the medicine that we require is incredibly simple, which makes it hardest and the most challenging for us. For sure. So I want to ask, because you and I can talk the same language, I, I do the same work, but to the average man who hears, you know, about masculinity and how it can how it can increase by tapping into your feminine side. That seems foreign to a lot of people. So I want to go into how can your masculine strength actually become way more powerful, that you can be a better lover, a better father, a better provider by actually accessing your own inner feminine. I'd love for you to explain how that works, like why masculinity strengthens through honoring the inner feminine. Well, I'm sure everyone has heard the phrase or the saying that behind every powerful man is an even more powerful woman Mm -hmm. well in my experience the same goes for internally Mm -hmm. the only reason is a man can stand upright and be firm and direct and precise and energized in my life is because the woman who's running up and down the back of my spine and down through my legs and up through the rest of my body is actually bringing her juices, watering the masculine essence in me mm-hmm. that allows me to stay firm, to stay virile. The, another way of looking at it is the feminine is deeply yin, right? It's like the fluid. It's like the juice of the body and the masculine is fire. Well, for our flame to burn, we need to have that abundance of yin, that abundance of earth, so that the fire actually has fuel to continue to sit upon. Um, and when we're just in the go, 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 go masculine way, because it's it's the same for women right now. I mean, women are being burnt yeah. alive mm-hmm. based on that. Whereas be more like a man. Yeah. Um, that go, go, go burns us up and it burns our nervous system up. It burns the yin in us, the fluid, the restorative qualities. It burns up our ability to rest deeply into the body. And for most people these days, rest is Netflix or rest is scrolling Instagram. And that's not, that's not rest. That's you're still burning yourself up in that regard. It's, it's the absolute terror that we have and the absolute uncomfortability that we have with feeling anything which keeps us separated from having a healthy internal feminine 
and then makes it almost impossible for us as men to be potent lovers with, for, and of women. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question, but, but one serves the other. It's like the yin and the yang and the yang and the, you require one to have a healthy version of the other, because even when you're strong in your masculinity, that charges up the feminine. In us. Yeah. yeah. What I hear you say is that you need some restorative juice. If you're always jacked up, if you're always in go, 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 you're going to exhaust, you're going to crash, you're going to be running on fumes, you're going to be angry, you're going to be moody, that there's mass repercussions for you not restoring yourself. So what are some people can start getting into this work? What are some triggers they can catch in themselves as a man to know that they have to go back into their body? Like, what are things to look at of feeling like, okay, I'm going way too hard in this direction. What are subtle things we can notice to go back home? Reactivity, emotional reactivity, an inability to offer or share spaciousness with other people, the desire to keep imprinting and projecting the way that he thinks onto the world. Hmm. But reactivity being one of the biggest ones. Because that's the difference between a man having a royal, healthy life and a life where he's just constantly burning shit down. What what yeah. does non-reactivity look like? What does a healthier version of that actually look like? So I would never even ask him to be in non-reactivity. I would okay. just ask him to react. So non-reactivity would mean he would have to stop something. And I never want anyone to stop anything that's actually happening in them. Okay. Instead, what I would guide him towards is to start watching himself, is to start loving himself by noticing himself, to start loving himself by seeing himself by seeing how he functions, by seeing what's motivating his actions, the words that he uses, the way that he moves through his life. What is his motivating factor? Is it lack? Is it trauma? Is it pain? Is it because he doesn't feel a value? He hasn't felt loved enough in his life? See himself. That is the first thing. See himself. And once he starts to see when a reaction comes up, which will, because he's human and we're all human, so there's all this stuff that's happening inside. When something emerges and arises in him as a reaction, I always invite the person to hang 10. Just wait 10 seconds. Don't act. Don't give the reaction. Don't allow it to come right through unless there's a bear coming at you and you need to get out of the room, then listen to the reaction or the response. But, but just wait 10 seconds. Wait until the intensity of your reaction can ground down and cool down for a moment. And really the hanging 10 or the, the just giving some space before we move outwards, that really just gives space for consciousness to come through. It allows a moment for consciousness to come through, deeper awareness to come through. And that consciousness may say, hey, there's no benefit to this reaction to anybody. There's absolutely no purpose to the reaction other than to feed your own ego or to protect you in a position where you don't actually require protection. Yeah, The reaction in a man is generally going to be his autopilot. He's, he's blind in his reaction. It's just kind of happening to him. 
And the one tool that we have as men that is more powerful than anything is our presence, is our ability to just see what is here, what is happening, what's unfolding, and witnessing that rather than being a direct participant in the insanity that may want to come through. Yeah, I've had this question for a while. I've asked multiple people, but I haven't gotten a great answer. So I'm curious to see if you can break that spell is, why is a man's presence so powerful? You know, if you go into some of the biggest movies on masculinity, you see a very present man. And when you are a Mr. Powerful Man, you can see his present. Why is that presence so seductive, so powerful? Why is that? Because presence is light. Presence is love. Presence is being seen. And in a time where everything is so dark, where everything is so blind, when everyone is engaging in ways where no one is actually being met in the depths of their soul and the value that they truly bring here, presence is just flicking a light on. And it allows for a massive amount of space to come into the area. And this allows us to connect in a way that brings healing People's presence is healing. You sitting with someone and being deeply present with them, just that, because you're shining so much light, because for someone to be present means they have to do their inner work. Mm. If someone's deeply uncomfortable and caught up and distracted, well, they can't be present. They can try. It'll be very challenging. That's their work in that moment to be present. And as they move through their trauma, the more present they are, the more light they bring in, the more light that shines on the parts of them that are deeply uncomfortable, the more light that hits it, the more that it starts to burn up, the more that it starts to be exposed, the more that it comes up to the surface, that it's presented to us. And then it it dissolves through our seeing of it. Presence is the most healing frequency that we have access to because in order to bring it, you actually have to yourself be in a deep state of health and of light and of clarity. Yeah. And we pass that on to people. So what do you think are the biggest barriers to presence? Is it mainly just on unprocessed trauma and addiction to fear loops? Like what's actually causing this mass resistance to being present in the male species? Well, there's two parts to it. The first is, yes, the resistance, which is, I don't want to feel that. That's not fun. Let's go back on TikTok or let's smoke some weed because that's 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 easier. Yeah. I don't want to look at that stuff. That's too painful. So that's the first thing. That's the resistance that you spoke to. The second thing, which is as equally important, is just people's inability to be present. Just the, the practical, the muscular internal inability to hold attention on anything longer than a few seconds. And I have seen this over the the 10, 11 years that I've been doing this work and and assisting people. I have seen this inability to hold attention and to be present with one thing become more and more challenging as time goes on because of how our technological lives have taken the forefront of our experience. We are programmed to be distracted because it's way easier to sell us stuff. It's way easier to tell a person what to do or what to take or how they need to rely on you to be healthy. Um, so it's it's twofold. First is, yes, the, the taboo around feelings. 
and the lack of education around the practical tools of how to actually process through a feeling when a feeling does arise, what to do with it, um, that is healthy, that mm -hmm. is accepting, that is welcoming, that is inviting, that is self-loving, that is compassionate. Uh, we have been taught to hate ourselves. Yeah. And how do we... How do we build that muscle of presence? What are ways you recommend to start really flexing and cultivating that muscle? Mm -hmm. Well, you have all the normal tools that are shared, such as meditation practice and Qigong practice or yoga practice. But if we're real, I mean, you can do yoga and be completely out of your body. You can do Qigong and you can meditate and be completely distracted in that process. So it's less about the practicality and more about the depth of your intention for what am I choosing? What is my motivation for being here in this moment right now? And practically, I tell people you can set reminders on the things that you're already addicted to, which is generally your phone. Your phone can maybe help you out. You can put post-its everywhere in your house with phrases such as, how am I feeling right now and where am I feeling it? I always invite people to ask themselves that question throughout their day. How am I feeling and where am I feeling it? Just to bring them back into the somatic connection as much as they can, creating pockets of time and space in their day where they can put presence. Because most people say, I want a calmer life. I want a more peaceful life. It's like, okay, well, where are you going to put it? Based on your schedule, based on the way you live, where do you put peace? Where do you put calmness? Because your schedule, your day is in no way in support of that. So creating pockets very intentionally that are there, even if it's 30 seconds, where it's an opportunity for you to just start feeling your body without any other purpose to it. You're not trying to fix anything. You're not trying to get healthier. The only intention is in this moment, how does my ass feel on the seat? In this moment, how does the soles of my feet, how do they feel as they're laying on the floor? How does the earth feel underneath my feet? How does my shoulders feel? Oh, let's relax my jaw because there's a lot of tension there right now. Scanning, just scanning through the body multiple times per day from the top of your head to the tip of your toes will start to recultivate a different type of muscle, a different type of being with oneself. That can be very supportive. And also in our, our relational dynamics and in our relational connections, bringing presence in practically. And one way that we can do that is when someone else is speaking can we fully listen to them with our body? Not with our head, not with our thoughts, not just with our ears, but can we feel our body and listen to them through our body? Because you may be very, not you particularly, but people may be very surprised by how that starts to deepen everything mm -hmm. and how the front of them actually opens up into intimacy. Yeah. Because now competing with you thinking in the background as they're speaking getting ready for when it's your turn to speak yeah <laughs> right so we're we're really what it is is we're starting to create space for the nothingness of what we're here with the nothingness that powers everything yes i'm, yeah. I'm assuming the biggest barrier to this right now to strengthening this is social media so i want to go into your per perception on that as 
to how Instagram, how scrolling, how social media is really just destroying our ability to be here right now and to be good men, really, to, to honor that presence and, and be uh, confident and strong. How is it affecting us in our, in our ability to be healthy human beings? It's like having a programming device in your pocket. Hmm. Uh, when a person is on it, as they're scrolling, we just innocently see it as entertainment. But we're consuming that. We're, we're taking all of that into our system. And a lot of stuff on social media, I'm sure you'll agree, is not so healthy or supportive to a person's well-being. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes, it's, it's completely the opposite. So if a person is already at a level of being compromised in their own state of presence and consciousness in their life, now they're really, really at risk to being completely consumed by this. But essentially, it's just programming. It's brainwashing us with uh, nonsense, with negative feelings, with negative emotions, with comparisons with beauty standards with uh, faulty representations of what success and happiness looks like and stands for and we just take that in all day the more a person is on it and we are what we consume we are what we eat what we think the words that we speak ourselves all of that creates the energetic frequency and molecule of how we move around in the world as an individual entity and I feel that people hear that, but they don't really hear it. They don't really yeah. hear just how much the fact that they live with this undercurrent of constant anxiety and unease, which has become so normalized. They don't really see that this is because of what they're consuming. It's not because they're an anxious person. It's not because they're a depressed person. It's because what they're taking in is anxiety and juicing. Now, we're built for small tribes. We're built for small communities. We're, we're not supposed to have access to thousands and millions of opinions of other people, whether it's about others or about our, us and ourselves. So there's a lot that throws us off. And this is where coming back into what's already here with us, what's always been here with us, nature, our breath, silence, just sitting and allowing ourselves to purge our own systems, allowing our minds to be bored, allowing our bodies to be bored and not have something to immediately consume. And just through that space, a person can actually purge a lot of that insanity that they've taken in through their technology use and then hopefully come back around and use technology for the absolute abundance that it can bring, that it can support but not to be used by it. So what's, what's a good way to use it then? What's like a healthy way of, of getting into that abundance? What's the most nourishing or, or not most destructive thing to our nervous system? How do we use it effectively to not kill us? Well, firstly, having a life that's not it. Yeah. Having a life that's completely outside of it. And using it, I would say, being very intentional with, with how we use it. Um, and I'm sure you've, heard many people have heard rules such as no phones in the bedroom no phones for the first two hours after we wake up no technology for hours after we wake up like really 
disciplining our usage of this. Mm -hmm. If people work through it, um, depending on the position they're in, as an example, I'm not on it myself. I'm, I mean, I'm on it in terms of my pictures are on it and my work is on it, but I have people who do it for me, who yeah. put my stuff for me because I, I don't want to be on it. Um, so really working with it and wherever you're at, maybe you can't currently have other people manage it for you. So, okay, I'm going to go on just for 20 minutes or I'm going to go on for one hour on Tuesday. I'm going to go on for 40 minutes on Wednesday. Or you set up a structure and then you just have to be disciplined with it. But the constant in and out, in and out, in and out, that is going to destroy the most intelligent person. That is going to have the healthiest and most embodied person very, very quickly lose contact with themselves in a very deep way. Yeah. So my your question is, is structure and discipline yeah. an experiment? What I also notice is dangerous is people, you can go into this now, or even beyond social media, is that there's a common theme of attaching self-worth to the social media, whether it be, you know, reflecting your your, your self-worth and the amount of followers or likes or how you're doing. And we're all, everyone in this space is designed to do that. What's the effect of attaching your self-worth to external externalities of, of attaching your, your livelihood or your confidence or your identity to something outside of yourself? Suffering. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Full-time suffering. Yeah. How so? Like, how does that come up? Well, because you're outsourcing your entire life to other people's voices and opinions and conditionings and yeah. programming, brainwashings. And we are here, I believe, to live fully in alignment with self, where we are so deeply in contact with our inner law through feeling it through hearing it, through deep listening, that anything other than that is going to create deep suffering and, and huge misalignment. Uh, our value system, that's another aspect that social media can really mess with, is our felt sense of how valuable we think we are. And that's the difference. It's how we think we are, not the value that we feel. Because as soon as a person comes into their body, I see it all the time if I'm doing energy work with someone and they move from the head and they come back into the body and all of a sudden they feel themselves energetically and physically swelling up, which in one side can be terrifying and that's mm -hmm. its own process. But what you start to see is just this abundance of love and bliss start to move through that person and the bliss that they're feeling is the bliss of self they haven't had to think their way back there they haven't had to look in the mirror 50 times a day and say i love you you are worthy they have not had to use affirmations no they plug back into their body's frequency and the net the nature of who they are which is bliss and orgasmicness yeah. comes immediately back to the surface yeah i want to go into the concept of tapping into some form of terror when we go into the body i've noticed mm -hmm. it in myself that whenever i get acupuncture or i'm a deep meditation or i take i've taken when i used to take psychedelics that there's a deep terror in me that i've been working through of actually entering the body because my my system my mind has been so used to controlling my perception of reality to feel safe and it's not just me i see it in many many people how common is that why does that happen and how can we start escaping that well 
one way, well, again, so there's two points to that. The first is imagine you've lived in a house your whole life that you thought was your house. Mm. And suddenly one day you wake up and it's like, oh, this isn't my house. So then you have to be brought back to your house, yeah. to the house actually yours. And then you walk in and it smells different. It looks different. It feels different being in there. That can be the level of disconnect that we're working with when we're bringing or we're supporting or guiding a person in coming back into themselves, potentially for the first time since they've been a child, it can feel foreign while also feeling like home. Mm -hmm. So there can be a lot of conflict that, um, that can arise in that experience. The, the second point to this to make is the terror that arises is often because there's terror there. There's just terror there. There's fear that is somatically lodged in that area of the body. And um, as it comes up to the surface, it lets itself be known. It lets itself be felt. So rather than seeing the terror as a problem or something to fix, it's none of those things. It's just simply something to hold. It's something to spend time being with and breathing into, loving with your breath, loving with your touch. And the third additional point to why this terror can come up is because through our numbness, we have forgotten how powerful we are and, and how the life that we are connected to, just how powerful that is when we fully surrender to it and allow it to start coming back in and informing our life and that <clears throat> that can be confusing to deal yeah. with because that energy we we have that as children that's the energy in a child that has it want to run and jump up the tree or it wants to have the child run and tear all its clothes off and jump into the water but then we have adults standing around going stop don't do that like how dare you and disciplining and giving out and punishing the child for following its orgasmic life force, the life force in that child that, oh, I want to go here in this direction. So as we get older, we are essentially taught to police ourselves. We, we learn to pull our own handbrake up to the point that we then completely lose sense of that energy. We become so disconnected to it. So yeah. when we're coming into the body, that's another energy that starts to open up our joy, our pleasure, our bliss, our sex, uh, the things that turn us on in life, just somatically speaking. And that can also be very confrontational when everything in our mind is telling us that what we're feeling is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's too much. It's 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 uh, dirty or bad or it doesn't have any place in society. Then we punish ourselves with it for it um, through our mind. And I mean, this can be years of work. Mm -hmm. to be able to get to a place where we can actually allow that pleasure to, to be with us that we felt when we were children. Yeah. So I wanted to get more so into now into uh, polarity, like sexual polarity and the difference in, in genders. And to include our past, past thing I asked is how does a man being in his, in his body and being safe in that environment give space for the woman to be more sexually attracted? How does it actually help uh, male-female polarity of being safe in the body? Well, we bring safety with us. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is lacking 
Um, it's rare to meet someone who's comfortable just to be in their own skin and to be at ease with themselves. So just from a standpoint of bringing relaxation with you, uh, as men energetically, we're quite penetrative just in terms of how our energetic system moves. So if a man has done his work to come to terms with himself, where he accepts himself and he loves himself and he can hold himself in deep presence, that becomes the frequency that he is now penetrating life with, that he is penetrating or sharing is another word we could use, is sharing with uh, the women or a woman in his life. So that man doesn't even have to do anything other than just to be in his own body in a healthy capacity. And the woman beside him will naturally receive that as medicine. She'll naturally receive that as her nervous system being able to deflate and being able to exhale and being able to surrender because oftentimes we look to other people for safety. You know, is it safe here? Well, let me look at the person beside me and see how they're navigating in their system. Oh, well, this person is deeply grounded and feels really safe in themselves. So maybe this space is safe. Maybe it is okay for me to exhale a little bit right now because this person isn't anxious. This person isn't stressed. And it doesn't mean it's healthy that we look to other people for this. Ideally, we would self-source this, and that's ultimately what I would love it to get to. Uh, but we're also we're also deeply connected as humans. We're we're um, somatic beings. We 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 have always been in community to some degree, so we're always going to be impacting one another. So a man being healthy in his own experience. Um, and even just to speak to that, right, what it even takes for a man in this current societal narrative to be healthy while also feeling powerful, while also not feeling shame for feeling powerful, mm -hmm. while also being powerful in a way that is here to support, protect, serve, while also not being compromised in his desire to support, protect, and serve while also not being the nice guy and stepping all over himself in order to support other people, just to get to a place for him to be potent and available in his level of health internally, that in itself requires him to have already went through the process of learning and cultivating the ability and the capacity for deep, compassionate presence holding acceptance and patience for himself as all of his stuff is clearing. Yeah. So that man in his healthy state now, he's carrying with him something that most men are not carrying. And he's carrying something with him that most women have never experienced ever, ever yeah. in their life. So that's going to have a profound impact regardless of what practical stuff has done from that point onwards to give her the most pleasure. And that's a beautiful thing. But it is often not received as beauty when there's all this other dysfunction and ego and self-worth that's, that's tied into that. So then what ends up happening is, and I, I work with, with men and women, both one-on-one -on -one and in couples, so... I see it kind of from both sides and the impact. But it means that the man generally is very heavy-handed. He's not going in to feel. Instead, he's going in to get. 
Yeah. He's going to scratch an itch that he has, which is generally about him ejaculating, uh, while also possibly pleasing himself visually just through her body. And then after not really fe feeling full, not really feeling good after the experience, and then hungrily wanting more. So looking for it somewhere else or with other women and trying to rack up as many experiences with as many women as he can. And I have been deeply in that in the earlier portion of my life. And I feel most men will go through that period. Um, there's benefits and also there's not benefits to that. But the detriment of it is from his side, he never truly sees the power in his, his being because he's so busy. He's been taught as, hey, to be valuable, you have to do a lot. You have to work hard. You have to physically perform in a way that no other man has physically performed for her. Then you are valuable, which, of course, is completely separated from the truth of the experience of what a woman is actually requiring and needing in intimacy to, to allow her own body to open for her trauma for her mishandling to be able to heal through that process of which is what what's that what's that required thing well if you hold that i'll, I'll go into that in a okay, moment I just, no, no, it's it's great it's because I'll, I'll miss it otherwise go ahead so thank you uh but so for the man what ends up happening is the way he's being with her it doesn't fulfill him in the long run because he forgets that his power is actually in how deeply can i just be with this woman what she's ultimately looking for, whether she knows it or not in her own trauma patterns, based on how she's been dealt with sexually, what she's looking for is how deeply can I feel this man? Because she's responding to the man that she's there to feel and to take into her field and to essentially be in lovingness with, to, to make love with. So then he's handling her in an aggressive way and then she's having to close because somatically she's having an experience of being turned on while also feeling pain during intimacy and then they're just kind of thrusting through it and he's not listening to her internally not really listening to her experience so they're bypassing everything somatically and now there's just kind of like a lot of friction happening and a lot of abuse happening that they're both kind of agreeing to in some regard and by the time people leave, they feel relieved because maybe an itch has been scratched, but their hearts are closed. Their body is tighter than it was before going in. And maybe they even feel more troubled and emotionally unstable and unstable uh, before they came together. So what was the question you asked? Just to remember the, the requirement. Yeah, like how, what does it take to make a, a woman feel safe and full beyond doing something because you made the point before that men think that they should be doing something for uh validation you said that's not even it so that's what it what is it that they're actually looking for beyond doing i'm going to give you a break to digest all this amazing information and in this break please like comment and subscribe thank you well, firstly, I'm not here to make her feel anything. Yeah. That's the first thing. I'm not use that word because that's that's one of the issues. Yeah. I'm not here as a man to make her feel 
anything, whether it's happy, whether it's fulfilled, whether it's pleasure, I'm not here to make or feel any of that. So when he can drop that, know what is sex about, know what is his role, what is his position in sex. And that's another aspect to it. The man and the woman, both people, will actually have to change the purpose of sex, what it's about for them. Because usually it tends to be, well, I'm here to ejaculate and she's here to have some type of orgasm. Uh, hopefully, maybe it's clitoral or maybe it's something else. But th there's there's a goal and then we know it's finished because that thing has happened and then sex is finished. But if we change the motivation, that is the first requirement is, well, if I as a man am not here to make her happy, if I am a am a man as a man, <laughs> I'm not here to please her in sex. What am I here for? Part of me doesn't even want to answer that right now because I would almost prefer it for the man to ask himself that question and just spend a lot of time yeah. asking if it's here for. I will give a little bit of something to that question to start the process. <clears throat> a challenge for him. Men who like challenges. So a challenge or a mission for the man is the next time in sex, what if you were not to do all the things that you usually do in sex? And instead, what if your goal, your main goal was how deeply can I be with myself as I be with this woman? Another way of saying that. The next time I come to sex, how deeply can I just be present with what I'm feeling inside? and allow everything that I'm feeling inside to be felt as I also feel what is being felt in this woman. So if sex stops becoming about friction, if it stops becoming about doing, how can we bring beingness into that? <clears throat> because what a man will hopefully start to realize, all of that work, all of that break in his back that he's doing physically, is actually creating way less intimacy, bliss, pleasure, and orgasmicness for both of you than just simply being there as a starting point. Because when he's being there, maybe the energy that he's feeling, maybe he'll want to start moving a little bit. Okay, he can listen to that. He can follow that. Maybe the energy is saying, that's too much right now. Let's just be still for a moment so we can really feel one another. The energy has its own intelligence. So for him, it's not listening to just his own urges and his own horniness that wants to take the lead, but instead coming into his body, <clears throat> feeling his desire and feeling where it wants to move or how it wants to move when he's actually being present with it versus when he's being kind of done by it and led by it and pulled by it. And I hope I'm... Uh, I hope I'm making sense the way that I'm expressing this, but it's simply shifting all of the doing to being mm -hmm. and see what that experience feels like. It might be very confronting. It might be terrifying, which is something that's often reflected to me when men and couples start to do this because now they have nowhere to run. Sex, desire, intimacy brings up more energy than anything else that we have access to in our life.
which means that if we're willing to truly feel and be present in sex, in intimacy, we can't run from trauma. We can't run from the lack of love that we felt. We can't run from the relationship that we had with our mother or our father. The woman can't run from the fact that maybe she was sexually abused for five years when she was a child. All of that is, here you go. Now let's allow the love and the intimacy to heal that. It allows such a bright and beautiful space for us to process in the arms of someone that ideally we love and care about and that we feel safe with. What a gift. Like we're, we're better to let go of pain and mishandling than in the arms of someone that we love and care about and that we trust. Yeah, you made a point earlier that we're leaving a lot of sexual situations hungry and like looking for more, but what you're discussing now and a way to go about it in that beingness and just following your intuition in the moment, not being in like a jackhammer doing position that leads to a, a more fullness. But I want to go into now why we leave so fucking hungry. Why like the average man who gets in there, you know, jackhammers a girl, ejaculates fast, calls it a day. Like why the actual create so much hunger? Is it because he's perpetuating like traumatic patterns? Why do men leave that so hungry and so devastated, even though their ego thinks that they got something? Well, because that's how he's been told to live his life. So he brings that energy to everything he does in his life. Yeah. He does everything. So he doesn't even have another option. <laughs> that's all he knows. Yeah. Um, so it's again bringing in the feminine element of feeling listening, being, presence, awareness, witnessing, bringing in those qualities, not in, not into just sex again, right? Because how we do one thing is generally how we kind of do everything. Uh, so bringing those qualities into his day. So when he does come to sex, he'll have access to them because he's been building it through his day. He's been building it through his life and actually supporting and nourishing and watering this this other side of him that essentially is the difference between him standing upright and just falling on his ass and having nothing left. Yeah. We have to water the juice. The juice is what keeps us alive. Burst of fire that we have access to, that is only relative to the amount of juice that we have access to. Because as you said, people live on fumes. And a lot of the fire that people have these days is just running on empty. It's a deficiency heat. Mm men's horniness that's not sexual energy that's a big uh misunderstanding that i have a lot of men will bring to me and say oh i just have a lot of sexual energy i'm like interesting what what has you believed that it's like well i'm just horny all the time i'm always ejaculating i always need to be having sex and i have to be the one to let him know that you're running on a deficiency you actually have a deep deficiency of sexual energy and you what you're experiencing is yin deficiency in the body yeah. and physically manifests. How do we bring up more sexual energy as a man that doesn't look like horniness? Um, is it just being in the, in the body and giving ourselves yin energy? What does it look like? Well, it's not bringing it up in any capacity because he is it. We are all of sex. We are sex. Yeah. So when we are healthy, when we are grounded, when we are full, when we are rested, our hormones are balanced, our testosterone is strong, our ability to be aroused and to be responsive to life is just going to naturally be present. So there's nothing we even have to do yeah. other than 
everything that I've been speaking about up to this point in terms of looking after himself. Then he never needs to choose to do anything with or without his horniness. He can allow it come up. I always say to men, feel the bliss in your arousal. Like give yourself the time to just sit with it and feel your erection. Hold it. Don't jerk yourself off. Don't masturbate with it. Don't bring friction in. Don't immediately go to a goal or a need that, oh, just because I feel the sexual energy right now, I need to release it or I need to do something with it. That's a huge part of the problem in the way that we've been brainwashed. So when it comes up, sit back, take a load off. Don't release a load. Take a load off. Relax. Allow yourself to just breathe into your genitals, to breathe into the pleasure as a man that at this moment you are being blessed with because you didn't do anything to bring it up, right? It's just it's just come in like a wave to, to, to bring you some comfort and some, some juice, some aliveness. Well, okay, receive it fully then. Sit back, move into the body and breathe into it. And really feel yourself there and let it get bigger if it wants to get bigger. But at no point do you need to physically manifest it in in the form of releasing it. Start what's to the, practice. What's the energetic effect of always releasing, of always ejaculating? What does it do to our body? Well, it leaves the man in a constant hangover hormonally. Um, energetically, it can be it can excessive ejaculation. Uh, can have a man never experience himself as full because he's always just kind of coming down off that wave of the ejaculation and hormonal hangover that happens when we do release. And in Chinese medicine and in the energetic work, it releases a lot of very, very powerful energy from a man's body that will run him into more deficiency over time. And retaining and learning to be in sex and be in intimacy without ejaculation. You're still in orgasm, but you're just not ejaculating. Learning that process becomes more and more important the older that the man becomes. And that's a huge topic that I that I have spent many, many, many hours working and speaking about, and I have workshops on it. And it's a huge topic. And but yeah. it's I would say it's it's crucial for every man if he's really wanting to have a grasp in his body of a lot of the concepts and experiences that I'm speaking to today. Now you said something that I want more clarification on because I, I get it, but most people won't. Is what do you mean by orgasm with no ejaculation? Well, I mean that he experiences the feeling of orgasm as he usually would, just without the release of semen. Hmm. So he doesn't ejaculate. It stays inside of his body. And he also will come to a point of having stronger, longer orgasms in his body when he learns to separate the physical mechanism of orgasm and ejaculation. Because ejaculation is just a physical spasm. It's not orgasm. But oftentimes it can be a part of the orgasmic experience. How can we how can we start doing that as men? How can we actually have start having orgasms without ejaculating? By by researching and and and, and <laughs> I this this question 
I could spend the next four hours answering that question. <laughs> so it would be way better for the man to go to a source that is. Uh, What's a good starting point? Tell him to go to my website and to download the course. There's a three-hour workshop that's um, very affordable. I think it's like a hundred bucks or something. It's three plus hours. That's very practical. And I run through everything that I have discovered over my uh, 10, 15 years of, of deeply going into this myself and working with men as well. Uh, because there's also a lot of information out there that's damaging to men mm -hmm. that I have a lot of physical issues with because they're very tension-based practices when they're trying to learn to separate orgasm and ejaculation. And that can cause a lot of physical problems. My approach um, through my work has been actually the opposite to tension. It's been moving deep into relaxation in the body to the point of being able to circulate it or allowing it circulate itself. Um, so I guess it's also taking the more yin, the more feminine approach to an energy that is so much more powerful than us. So when we fight it, we create problems. Yeah. Now kind of to close this loop here um, and give people a healthy picture understanding of what a healthy, nourishing sexual situation between man and woman can look like to you. What is that, you know, more visceral depictive manner what does a healthy nourishing sexual experience actually look like because you know even that question the fact that we can't answer it is so powerful right when we, when we think of sex as man or woman we just think of porn or sex scene in a movie just quick in and out so to start to change that narrative what what can we start thinking of and perceiving as a healthy nourishing like real sexual experience well to counteract that extreme one of the things that i share a lot with people when I'm working with them is some of the most powerful, orgasmic, pleasurable, heart opening sex that you can have could literally look like the man really, really slowly allowing himself to be drawn inside of her, not him pushing in, not him pushing past, but just placing the head of his genitals on the outside of hers, just being present, both of them being present within themselves allowing her body to start pulling him in, in her own intelligence when she's ready. And once he's fully inside, just both laying with each other in deep penetration and nobody moving. So I just share with people, hey, why don't you experiment with that to see what else is possible in sex? Um, sex, we are sex. Everything is sex. Everything is a polarity. This conversation is sex. You breathing is sex. You eating food is sex. Everything that we do is a merging of polarities. And the more that we can get out of the way, especially in physical intimacy, which means stop being so busy in friction for a moment, the more we can get out of the way and feel, the more that this ocean of polarity and charge starts to have the space because we've allowed it be here come in and start to move both people or whoever happens to be involved. So I would say bring listening to sex. Bring a lot more listening. Listen to yourself, what you're feeling. Slow down. Slow way down. Whatever you're doing right now, go 80 to 90% slower than you would usually move. Listen to the other person. Notice when I put my hand on my partner or to the person I'm making love with, what happens in them 
when my hand makes contact with them. Listen to them through your hand, through your touch, through your body. This will start to create such a deep connection that the pleasure and the intimacy will be completely transformed. And how it can look, it can look many ways. And to clarify, in deep embodied intimacy, there is always huge space for primality and desire and thrusting and claiming and taking and fucking. But it's just coming from a different foundation, right? There's never a separation that happens. There's never a disconnect that happens because a person who's connected realizes that the deeper they trust, the faster they move, the more access they're going to need to have to internal presence in order to keep that connection together. Because usually when people move faster, they they start to disconnect. They start to actually lose contact with the person that they're attempting to be in contact with and also themselves. Um, practice bringing more lovingness into how you embrace for the men, how you penetrate. I always share with men, what would it feel like for you and how would you move and what would you do if the goal was, how deeply can I love this woman with my penis? Mm. How can I just love her? How can I adore her with my cock? How can I adore her with my lips, with my mouth? How can I pour love into her with every cell of my being? How would that inform how I show up physically and how I move with her? And I think that is the most powerful question that someone can ask themselves right now and immediately start experimenting with it. Whatever we pour in is usually generally what starts to accumulate, build, and come back in any yeah. situation, in any partnership. It's easy to go into the conflict. It's easy to go into the argument. It's easy to try to have your point be the point that's believed as the true one and the right one and the correct one. What is not easy is to go first in love and to go, I don't care about all this other shit. What's most important is that there's fucking love present here right now. So I'm going to put my ego to the side and just choose to show up in lovingness for myself and for this other person. Why is it so difficult to show up in lovingness? Why is it so because hard for us? Because most people don't want to do it because they're like, well, I wasn't given love in the first place, so no, I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah. Because we're so we're so in lack. Because we haven't been held lovingly. We haven't even known how to touch ourselves. Even when a man goes to touch his own genitals to masturbate, he's just like, it's like what are you doing? You're not loving yourself. This is the opposite of you loving yourself. You're numbing yourself. You're shutting yourself down. So start there first, even in masturbation. How can I make contact with my genitals, with one of the most powerful parts of my being? How can I make contact and touch that in a way that is loving, tender, and compassionate? Well, why we avoid that is because if we do that, he may start to feel the sensation of wanting to cry or weep, and then he loses erection, possibly, and then his goal of ejaculating has been missed 
And now he has to feel all the feelings that he spent the last 20 or 30 years trying to hide and get away from. So that's the part of this that we have to we have to be willing to accept is if we want to start the process of intimacy, we also have to be fully aware of the fact that intimacy is going to move us into health. And what will it move us through? Well, everything that's been in the way of us being in a state of health mm -hmm. and not being comfortable and not yeah. pleasant. How can we start lovingly being with and, and touching our, our genitals? What does that look like? How can we actually start using that to cultivate more power within us? How does that process right. look like? Well, it could be as simple as the man laying down and bringing all of his awareness into his body. So feeling himself, feeling the body, feeling his legs, feeling the existence of his penis and his genitals before he even puts a hand on it. Right? That's a piece that I'd give him. If he can feel his penis for just a few minutes as he breathes before he ever physically makes contact with himself so that when he does choose to put a hand there, he is fully in his genitals. He's actually in his genitals. He's available to receive in that place. And as he touches himself, to not go into friction, he can use oil, he can use cream, but really he just wants to be almost massaging his genitals in a way where he's lovingly wanting to bring life, blood, fluid, energy back into that area. So it's less this and more just massaging and rubbing and caressing himself and exploring. That's another thing. Men, men have often not really even explored much of that area. It's like, does, do you know your testicles? Have you spent time feeling your testicles and feeling your perineum, feeling your prostate, exploring the fact that uh, most men are so armored in their anus area. And then there's all the taboo and fear around even going near his anus as a man because he's like, oh, well, if I like that, maybe I'm gay. and I don't want to be gay because I was bullied and called gay when I was a child. And, you know, there's so much uh, shame and trauma that men are carrying in this area. So the tenderness, the compassion, the patience, this will start to bring back in a level of innocence for this part of his body, which is exactly what it is. It's innocent. It's not bad. It's not dirty. It's not wrong. It's not dangerous. Nothing in that area is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that is what we've been told, most men growing up, is that it's perverted in that area. It's bad for us to be in that area. It's bad for us to touch that area. And that is just simply not true. The only reason that that area for men has been used in such a destructive, abusive, and manipulative way is because it's coming from men who are deeply disconnected and traumatized. And that's what happens when we're traumatized. So this is about reinstilling love. Having the man lay there for 30 minutes, an hour, no rush. He needs to learn patience in order to open back into love with himself. And as he's feeling, as he's touching himself, he does not need to have an erection. His erection does not, does not speak to whether he's valuable or masculine 
enough for anything. He may go through periods of having one and not having one, having an erection and not having one. But just to stay with that part of his body, to feel whatever is arising when he's being gentle with himself. And if emotion wants to come up, allow himself to feel it. Uh, this is a practical technique that I share with almost every man I've worked with over the last 10 years. I go into it in depth in that workshop that I mentioned, the semen retention workshop on my website. But that practice alone can really transform a man's internal relationship with himself and can support him in clearing a lot of the dysfunction that he's been holding on to around his sex, his sexuality, his love, his vulnerability, all of that. And it's very necessary for him to even be available to make love to a woman. Because again, most of us are not actually even available in intimacy because we're not even available to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so the question I wanted to, to end on today, which is a theme you picked up, uh, carried through throughout this episode that I want to selfishly unpack and understand more because I don't get it fully is you, you always say that that sex is life that that there's this like that sex is connected to almost everything that always is here uh, i want you to talk about that a little more what do you exactly mean by that and, and how, how so does that happen what how is sex everything right now at all times because everything is only here because of polarity mm -hmm. the only reason that anything and everything exists physically speaking is because of what happens when a plus and a minus charge come together and the charge and the, the creation and the manifestation that explodes in between both of those polarities. Neutrality is certain death, which is worrying when you see what is happening in the world in relation to sex, sexuality, gender, all of that stuff that's that's going on. I mean, that's such a huge topic in itself that has so many nuances to it. Um, but and, and people are so terrified to speak on it. They just want to ask it, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, but it's all love. I, I always want people to be who, who they are and to live the way they want to live and love who you love and do what you want to do. That's, that's what I'm here for. But... Uh, there's also a responsibility within consciousness to say what you see and to speak in moments where you feel there's dysfunction and that's happening on the back of illness and disconnection and brainwashing that is being championed as health and independence yeah. and moving forward. But as I said, that's a whole that's a whole other topic for now. But the, the everything is sex piece is just that is because everything that exists comes from sex. Everything has been fucked into existence. Everything has been loved into existence. And even all of our internal processes, right, for, for your heart to be beating, there's sex that happens in that. Again, sex being the free-flowing current of energy in the system or in the space and the fact that it's happening because of a plus and a negative charge, because of the heart yin and the heart yang that comes together in order to create that pulsation in the body. 
Uh, also the fact that when a person is deeply embodied in themselves and that's their default place of being, which is in the body, existing is orgasmic. So even as I'm speaking with you right now, it feels as though I've been plugged into a wall socket because my whole body, not energetically and not from an idea only, but physically, palpably, my whole body is vibrating like a phone that's ringing or like, as I said, a vibrator that's been plugged into a wall. That's what we are. We're a vibratory grid. And after the years of opening up into my own body and opening my own system and then assisting other people through that, the level of, of electrical charge of sex that you're able to accumulate gets greater and greater and greater. And how you experience yourself in life becomes a very different thing. And all of that is accessible through the body. Your breath is sex. The in and the out is sex. Mm -hmm. The pulsation in it is sex. Without the other, the other ceases to exist. Everything is living and everything is dying. There's, there's a constant recycling that's happening everywhere. So maybe the word sex is what throws you off a little bit because sex to a lot of people is just like, well, that's when I'm physically inside of someone and we're thrusting and that's what sex is. Uh, I guess in, in my own uh, poeticness, for use of a better term, or my attempt at poeticness, I've opened the word sex into, into something a lot greater than it is dwindled down into in our current society. And I do that very purposefully and specifically so that we can understand that even in relationship and in relating how I walk into the room that the woman in my life is present in. Just how I walk into that room, sex is happening. There is a penetration happening. There is a merging happening. And I have my role in that. Yeah. How do I walk into a room that inspires more love, that inspires more potency, that inspires more aliveness? How do I sit down and, and take the plate of food and place it in front of that person? How do I breathe when I'm around that person in a way that's supporting more aliveness, more orgasmicness, more vibrancy in life? That's yeah. what I mean. Say everything is sex. Yeah. I had no resistance toward resistance towards it. It's more so just like a curiosity of what you exactly meant and now i get it and i also see some importance in making love to the present moment itself always being in that in that dance how, how do you exactly do that how can you always be in the state of making love with the present moment itself for me it's never anything i wanted to do never never my goal that was never my goal but it's what i've been brought to as I learned how to be kinder to myself. Mm -hmm. So through all the practical tools that I'm, uh, that I'm sharing on our call today, as my body started to relax and heal and open to itself and open to more love, and I started to like myself more, I started to love myself more, the more energy that started to come in, the more I started to feel myself, all of that just very much guided me into what I would say is our default state, which is to be so moved by just merely existing, how almost overwhelming with pleasure 
cellularly and physically it is just to be living and breathing as a physical structure. The only option in that experience for me is that, well, now I'm just in the making of love, of life. It's not even a choice that I have to make anymore. It's default. It's it's yeah. it's the only thing that that feels correct in that moment. And, you know, I can completely empathize with the question of it when maybe it's coming from a place of, well, I don't feel that, Chris, because of what I'm moving through. And I, I get that because I've been in moments of my life, most of my earlier life, I didn't feel any of what I feel now because I was still just very much processing through the things that I needed to process through and uh, realizing that I was terrified of feeling so vulnerable. Like, why would I be vulnerable? It's stupid. Which, of course, was a narrative based on the fact that when I'm vulnerable, people take stuff from me. So it's such it's such deep work. It runs so deep. All of this runs so deep into our system of how we relate with life, how we position ourselves in life, how we see ourselves in life, how we believe life is supposed to go. Everything ties into this. And wherever a person is at right now, beautiful. That is exactly where you're at. Be there and use that place that you're at as a starting point for connecting with yourself. But you don't have to try to be where I am or where anybody else is. Be where you're at. And your work is learning to love and accept exactly where you're at and spending quality time with exactly where you're at. Then you will be amazed at what may potentially start to open in you through that love and acceptance of where you are at right now in a society that's telling you you're not good enough Keep working harder and go and do the other things so you get better. Better for who? Why is that the case of when you surrender to exactly where you're at, you learn to love it, why does that open up to more guidance, more support on like a, on a spiritual universal level um, versus looking outsourcing, being like, oh, you know, Chris is doing it well, I want to be like Chris, or Lucas is doing well, I want to be a like Lucas. Why, why is that more powerful, more potent? for your own evolution to just surrender to where you're at and see the beauty in surrendering to the beingness of, of your reality. Because we are here to be in alignment with our inner law. Hmm. That is where our deepest purpose and meaning and talent will come from. Not in the, I want to be more like this other person. Yeah. That pulls us further away from our inner law. And when all the bliss that I talk about opens, that's because you're sitting in your inner law. You, for you, are blissful. And people can spend years of their life trying to make sense of that. But if you are committed to being with yourself and to listening to yourself and to creating space to be with that part of you, then it will absolutely, it will absolutely open and grow in you. But none of this generally speaking, of course there's outliers, but none of what I'm talking about generally speaking is going to be an overnight transformation. Anyone who tries to sell anybody this overnight healing or transformation, that is very possibly full of shit and coming from a source that is potentially 
very confuse themselves where the doctor is actually sicker than the patient, so mm. to speak. And I also want to preface that with saying that absolute miracles and abundance happen and you can absolutely experience something overnight, but I would advise you not to go looking for it because you'll end up in all of the most traumatic places. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I agree. It's, it's, it's snake oil. And also, even if that was the case where you did get it all in one day, um, you're missing the most beautiful part of all, which is the journey to finding yourself. That's what we're here for. That's what all this is to some degree is a journey home. And so why would you even want to have a quick fix? Yeah, and a fix for what? Where's the fix getting you to? Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah well, you, the journey that that never stops. That's that will be here as long as we're here. I feel. Hundred percent. Well, I want to thank you so much for for sharing your time and giving all these amazing pearls of wisdom, and definitely shifted some of the things I I see and helped me uh, open some things in myself. So I want to thank you for that first and foremost. And where can people find you and and get some of your amazing work? So my website is awakenedintent.com and on Instagram, I think my handle or username is Chris Bale Awakened um, and that's updated pretty regularly. Um, so you can find all the information there. And yeah, it's it's it was a, a pleasure and an honor for me to share this space with you. Thank you for your own vulnerability and uh, your own transparency and your willingness to, you know, want to share this type of work with other people in whatever you're creating. So I very much appreciate your time and your presence and your commitment to whatever it is that you're here to to do. So thank of course, you. Of course, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's, it's all I need from you. So enjoy your day, man. I appreciate you too. it. You're very powerful. So. Uh, I can see all the work working for you. So it's good to see. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much.